feel great. Isn't that wonderful? But everything from my hips to my shoulder blades is an incredible discomfort. You see, I am, for lack of a better term, 
is where our story begins. I was on the third floor of my place of employment, and I heard a loud noise in the cubicle beside me. I was working late, and on occasion when I worked late, I would go out and pick up a sandwich for my dinner and a drink, usually a Coca-Cola, and I would just sit and eat in my cubicle and just kind of keep to myself and get the work I needed done. The cleaning staff knew me well, and it was no problem to stay a few hours later, and then I would just leave at the end of the week a few hours early, and my time cards with would verify these different occasions. We all had to do it. Due to things like phone calls we were waiting on from the West Coast, because on the East Coast it's three hours behind, and we always had to wait for those California business calls. They didn't always come in during normal New York time business hours. Hmm. It's incredible what you think about when you're in this position, waiting for help to arrive. Hmm. Thank you for being here with me at this moment of pain and agony in my life. I have a tremendous pain running up the right side of my jaw spasm up into my temple. Mm, I don't think I injured the back of my head or my right side of my face, but you know, it's funny. It hurts there, but my neck feels fantastic, and I seem to have a full range of movement with my neck. It's even helping the cramp in my face subside, so that's a sign of a good thing, I think. And I can feel one wiggle my toes and my shoes, so I think we're okay there, wouldn't you say? Mm-hmm. Thank you for holding my hand, if nothing more than to listen to my story. And where was I? Oh, that's right. There was a loud noise in the cubicle beside me, like not right beside me, maybe five to ten feet away. There might be a desk or two between us, wherever this noise came from. And I saw someone with black boots exiting the cubicle. You see, I was looking down because I 
bent over to eat my food. And when I looked up, my eyes went to the floor because I heard a thud. And that was the person in the cubicle collapsing to the floor. And I saw the black boots. And then they turned and were hidden by the cubicle across the aisle. And my eyes, of course, were focused on the person who had collapsed on the floor. I quickly spit my food into my napkin and cleared my throat. I didn't want to choke on the food. I have a tendency to do that. And I knew kind of what I was about to see because it looked horrific from my point of view before I left my cubicle. And I wasn't wrong in that estimation. A murder had taken place less than 10 feet away from me. A man that I had worked with for several years, I knew him well, was lying, bleeding from a head wound. And the person who had done this to him was already making their way to the elevators down the hall in the common area. I tried to help the person, but it was clear they were not going to survive the wound. It was horrific, to say the least. I don't know what possessed me. I picked up the phone and called 911. I told them of the situation and I turned and tried to pick up the phone off the desk and tried to use the length of cord to get a better angle to see the person down by the elevators. And what I saw was a middle-aged woman. Mm, I don't know her height, maybe five, six, maybe five, seven. Now she was wearing black boots. They weren't a high heel, I would say, but they were a stacked heel, like a platform heel, with maybe a two or three inch, you know, like maybe an inch on the front and two or three inches in the back. You know, I don't know these things, but she was definitely probably not as tall without those boots on as she was. Maybe five five. Mm. And she entered the elevator and I told the police it's going up. I told them the elevator is going up. And when I said that, the doors as they were closing, she stuck her hand back. <laughs> I'm okay, I'm okay. In the doors. <laughs> and she peered out and saw me. She heard what I had said. I had given away the fact that I was a witness to a murder. 
And now she was walking towards me, her arm outstretched and a gun in her hand. I told the police, uh, I think I have to go now. And I acted like I hung the phone up, but I actually just laid it down on its side. And I stepped in front of it towards her with my hands up and I said, look, I don't have any part of this, please, please. I have a family. I'm sure there was a reason for this. I'm sure that this could all be explained. Don't make things worse than they already are. She motioned for me to go towards the elevator. Of course I did, as I was instructed. <clears throat> I'm okay. I'm all right. How are you? Yeah. Are you bored with my story yet? Hmm. I know. They'll be here soon. I think you're more scared than I am. Clench different muscles in my body. I think I'm gonna be all right. I'm just a little bit banged up, if, if you will. I know I have had way better days than today. <laughs> then she took me to the <clears throat> elevator. She told me to press the button up again and the elevator door opened up because the building was basically empty so the elevator was still sitting there waiting for us from when she was just inside it and we got inside and she told me to push the roof the floor for the roof the button for the roof there were four floors in the building and a roof button. So we took the two floors up from the third floor and we exited the elevator. She prodded me in the back. She said, I don't know what to, I don't know what to do with you. And I said, well, why don't you tell me your story? And then maybe I can help you. Maybe I can help. Because there's a reason for everything. And she told me that I suppose you know my husband. And I said, yeah, you mean Ernie, my cubicle mate, cubicle mate, my coworker. hardly knew him, but I knew who he was. I mean, I didn't know him that well. We just you know, would extend hellos and uh, talked a little at the Christmas parties and the birthdays we had in the office. And uh, other than that, I, I, I don't know him that well. And she said, well, I'm his wife and 
This is a simple case of Ernie got caught cheating on me. And I found out and in a fit of rage I came to work. I thought he was having an affair here. He was alone and I felt so bad. You see, I came here to kill him for cheating but when I got here, he was where he said he would be. And he was not, in fact, having an affair at the moment. And I apologized. And I almost started to cry. And that's when he laughed at me and said, well, you, you got it half right. And he also said how he was fed up with me and wanted out that he had been living a lie long enough and he was leaving me for another woman and that's when I pulled my revolver from my purse and I shot him in the head he put his hands up I shot him right through his hand and the bullet entered his skull and split him wide open like a canoe. And he fell completely to the floor like a bag of potatoes falling out of the back of my car. I knew he was dead when he hit the ground. I hate, I hate him, she told had grown to hate him and I felt so bad for her. She was a very attractive middle-aged woman. She was not an evil-looking person. She looked rather striking. Her hair was absolutely beautiful for her age. Her face was beautiful. She didn't look at all her age. She looked young for her age. I think women look prettier as they mature. And like I said, she just wasn't, I don't know, an unattractive woman, but you never know in marriage what divides people, what makes them fall in love, and what makes them fall out of love. Sometimes it's just chemistry. Sometimes people just change. I've never been one to judge a marriage being successful or a marriage being a disaster or a failure because it takes two to tango, and if the love is gone, it's definitely a two-way street, not a one-way street. Though everybody says it's not their fault, it usually is. It doesn't matter who we're talking about. I just realized, my friend, that you hold my hand. 
as I blurted all of that out to you. I had blurted all of that out to her. And she was very upset. That was not what she wanted to hear moments before killing her husband. She had marched me over to the edge of the roof and four floors up. Mm -mm. It's quite a distance. It's very frightening when you're facing a steep drop or a very loud gun to your back. And she was starting to lose patience with me. I didn't come here for a lecture, she told me. I need you to remember that as I squeeze your hand right now. I need you to remember that she told me she did not come here for a lecture. I brought you up here as a witness to what I'm about to do. I'm not spending a single day in jail. I will pay for my crimes, but on my own terms, and I want you to tell everybody that he was a lying, cheating scoundrel, and I hated him. I hated him. And I'm ending things on my own terms. She said that, too. Do you understand? Okay. She turned away from me for a moment and stood up on the edge. There's a small one-foot brick edge to the roof, kind of like a safety edge. And she st st uh, stepped up onto it in her boots. And she kind of slid a little bit, nervous. Her arm went down. You could tell she was very nervous. It's not so easy when you get there and you realize you probably should have wore tennis shoes and not high-heeled boots when you're going to try to climb over a barrier and jump off a roof. And she slipped a little. And when she did, her arm went down. And that was when I thought, I better do this now. I am a much bigger man, 6'4", almost 300 pounds. I live a sedentary lifestyle, so I'm not the strongest man in the world, but I am very, very big, and I outsized her two to one. I grabbed her arm and the gun, and I literally spun her right off the roof. I did a complete spin turn holding her arm gun out and squeezed as hard as I could. I felt her wrist pop out of joint. The two bones in her wrist popped out of joint and the gun fell from her hand as I spun her around like a top. And I lost my own balance in the moment.
stumbled, let her go, and fell back and over and off the roof. <laughs> I caught a window sill and an awning on the way down. It partially broke my fall. I think I grabbed a few things on the way down. I don't know what I hit, what I grabbed. But I ended up here in this alleyway. I don't know if I landed on my feet or my back or my butt. But I didn't land on my head. All I know is I lost my breath so hard. When I hit, I couldn't breathe. Couldn't breathe for the longest time. And then when I woke up, you were here. You were holding my hand, telling me that the ambulance was going to be here soon. And now when I look at you, I realize you're her. You came down to help me, didn't you? Oh my God. What a simply beautiful ending to a sad, sad story. You know you're going to get caught going to get caught, you know that, when they realize who you are, you're going to get caught, but you guide them to me, and because of that, I'm probably going to live, aren't I? I guess you're not going out on your own terms, are you? I'm sorry for that. I'm sorry I ruined your plans. But I hate to say it in the moment, but I have to thank you for being such a good Samaritan and a steward to me. And I must say, you are a very attractive woman, and I'm so sorry things didn't work out the way. I hear them coming. You could leave now. You could still have things on your own terms. What's that? What, what did you say? Oh my goodness. Yes. Yes, I think you're right. I guess it was your decision, wasn't it? Tell them who you are right now so we can spend a little more time together. But I want to thank you for coming to help me on your own terms. 
I guess that's one way of saying it. Thank you. Thank you for helping me in return. It may not be the greatest story in the world, but you made it a very, very happy ending. At least from my later. Right now, I just think I want to get some help and get some rest. You have to forgive me if I'm going to close my eyes for a little bit and just rest while you move me. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for ASMR Tiralgoheo. Please take a moment to share this podcast with someone who might enjoy it and to rate or review it on your podcast player of choice. Those small things only take a few minutes and they really do help our podcast grow. If you are interested in additional ASMR content, you may view our library videos online at youtube.com slash Links to connect with us on social media and to take a look at our merchandise can be found in the show notes. The theme song Atlantis is by Jason Shaw of Audionautics.com and is used by permission. Correspondence, including questions or requests, may be sent to tiradohueo at gmail.com. On behalf of Dr. Andrew Michaels and his entire staff, thank you.